Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome into episode one of the Landscape Photography Show. In today's episode, we're going to be talking with one of my good friends in landscape photography, and that's Dusty Doddridge. Now, it's kind of a funny story the way we met each other and actually started to shoot with each other a lot and just building a friendship through photography. And he emailed me one day, Dusty usually being the first one to reach out in any occasion for sure. He emailed me and said, hey, I I see you shoot in Tennessee a lot. I live in Nashville, it'd be great to meet up if you ever wanted to go shoot together, just grab some coffee and and talk about photography. And at the time I was actually living in Nashville myself. So I said, yeah, sure, let's meet up. I live in Nashville too. It'd be really easy to just schedule a time together. And and we scheduled the time. I, I believe it was on a Sunday and we got together. Lo and behold, as we continued to talk and, and continued to see where this conversation was going, we ended up discovering we had actually been in the same small church that morning. And, and not only that, we had been sitting one row behind the other person. So it's always funny, like, I I think photographers see ourselves as kind of these, like, individuals just kind of not knowing a lot of other photographers around us or, or we know photographers, but they're far away in these exotic locations. Not always the truth. So right from there, Dusty and I have really enjoyed different experiences going out and shooting together exploring parts of Tennessee, Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Of course, we've been there several times together and just explored the park and found fun locations to go photograph there together. It's really interesting the way Dusty has a way of of describing landscape photography. And and he does a really eloquent job of doing that. And I, I really enjoy listening to him talk about photography because he does so through storytelling. He's a great storyteller about his experiences, which you're going to find out in this episode for sure. But he also does a great job of describing what's going on in a photograph. And if you ever go to one of his presentations or take a workshop from him, it's amazing to see and hear how he sees a landscape and then also how he describes it and is able to educate that for you. So even if you're an expert photographer, professional photographer, you're probably going to learn a little bit of how maybe you can see a landscape in a different way. If not, hey, you're going to hear some really interesting stories that Dusty has to tell in this podcast. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Joining us on the podcast is Dusty Doddridge, photographer, landscape photographer, and creator of nicknames. Dusty, can you tell us a little bit about what is, this is kind of an inside joke between you and me, what is brown juice? Yeah. So, you know, brown juice is a story that, that could probably take on, on many different forms, but maybe we'll just keep it specific to, to our story in, in this instance. But, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, brown juice is my reference uh, among many references for, for coffee. And, um, 
David being a uh, connoisseur, if you will, of of brown juice, it just seemed like a uh, a fitting a fitting nickname. So that's that's the whole brown juice story in in a nutshell. Now you just got back from Ireland pretty recently. Yes. Where where did you go, and, and kind of what did you experience while you were there? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, we uh, have a buddy that uh, actually met backpacking uh, and uh, met him backpacking up in uh, the north of Sweden, up in the Arctic Circle up there. Kind of a funny story. You know, we were we were just backpacking along and it, there's not really a trail, so to speak, up there, but it's just basically more rocks and boulders, you know, that you're hiking along. So you, you, your feet never really touch touch dirt. So it's a super, super rocky place, as you might imagine. And uh, we saw this one guy and we were a little bit surprised that he was actually mountain biking this. So (laughs) you can imagine trying to bike across terrain that's nothing but rocks and and boulders, pretty much. And so he was biking some sections that were actually rideable and then throwing his bike on his shoulder and walking other sections. And it was just a little bit mind blowing. And, uh, we were kind of hiking the same direction and, um, sort of camping out at, at some of the same spots and got to know one another. And he's just a really interesting guy and sort of brings all these food, interesting foods and things and whips up these, you know, uh, gourmet meals pretty much in the back country. Just kind of, kind of it really, really interesting guy. Which anyway, are few and far between in the back country. Exactly. Exactly. So just a, a really, really interesting guy, fa- fantastic guy. And, and we stayed in touch. Uh, we connected uh, kind of randomly uh, again in, in Iceland one summer. And uh, again, just sort of stayed in touch and, um, Conjured up a trip to to come um, take in take in Ireland. He's actually from England, but has been living in in Ireland for about twenty years. Lives in Dublin, kind of in the heart of the city. But he loves hiking, backpacking, mountain biking. Big time adventure guy, and you know he's got a lot of in depth, sort of detailed knowledge of a lot of the off the beaten path places in Ireland, and. Um, so uh, we conjured up a trip together and he wanted to show us around and and we were there uh, really just a, sh- a short time, a week. And uh, somehow we managed to see, I think, 23 of the 32 different counties uh, wow. in, in Ireland. So uh, we covered some ground, but it was cool. You know, we were we were camping uh, most of the, the nights that we were there. Uh, and so that gave us some flexibility just to kind of drive and explore and hike and then uh, find a camping spot as as we were going along. So we we made a uh, sort of a clockwise um, trip around the country. So kind of headed south and southwest first and then a little bit up the, the west coast and finished in Northern Ireland before heading back to Dublin. So we got to see a fair bit of the mountains. You know, we, you don't tend to think of mountains when you think about Ireland. So they don't really have maybe tall sort of dramatic peaks, but, uh, you know, with a camera bag on, you start hyping, hiking up some, some steep hills, you know, you, you start to feel it a little bit. So we were, we were up in the mountains a little bit. We were out along the West coast, actually camped, um, overnight on an Island. 
It's only accessible by boat uh, off the West Coast, which was pretty cool. And um, ended up, uh, like I said, ended up, we did the Giants Causeway, which is a really cool place uh, off the coast of Northern Ireland before heading back to Dublin. So, yeah, I mean, we just, we had a total blast. The, the weather was as expected, you know, cloudy, rainy, foggy, just sort of that, what you imagine Ireland to be. And um, had, like a, had a lot of good food, met a lot of great people. Everybody was super friendly. And uh, basically, yeah, we just, we just had a blast. So, um, you know, for an overview trip, I think, I think it was great. You know, you don't really have time to kind of dig in deep anyway, but it gives you a sense of maybe where you'd like to go back, where you'd like to spend more time, where you'd like to explore. So, uh, yeah, already looking forward to, to going back. You know, it's funny. I was, I was following all your posts from Ireland and like looking at it and I got to thinking, it seems like no matter what state in the U.S. or what country around the world that I mention, it seems like you would know somebody from that place. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 weird. I I don't know. You know, I think it. I think to some degree, it kind of all goes back, oddly enough, to playing sports in college and and playing tennis. You know, it's it's an international sport. And, uh, I think, you know, you just, you meet people from all around the world actually. And that's, that's kind of my origin story for photography. Um, you know, my uh, roommate and doubles partner's dad, you know, wanted to, to go backpacking up North again, North of Sweden. And, and, um, that kind of got me into doing some longer distance backpacking trips. And then of course, you know, doing backpacking and hiking that sort of lends itself to wanting to make some photographs because you're putting forth some, some serious effort, you know, to get to those places and you may or may not be able to get back to those places. So you're certainly wanting to photograph to at least record the scene. And that's, that's kind of how I got into photography to, to begin with. So, and I think the other part of that is, you know, the landscape photography community, um, is a, is a fairly small community in, in some ways, maybe large in other ways. But I think, you know, after a certain amount of time, you get to, you get to know sort of, you know, people who are living in certain areas and maybe focusing on certain areas and are well known for their landscapes in a certain part of the world or certain part of the U S. And, and so there is a, uh, maybe a, a community that's, that's there and it's great to be able to, even just for a short time, you know, just hang out with people or, or shoot together, you know, when the stars align and all those kinds of things. So I think that's part of what's fun about photographing landscape is that that community aspect of it. Now, let's go back to Ireland for a second. Like, yeah. I've been to Ireland in just one section. You've obviously been to a lot other, of other sections than I mm -hmm. have. But it seemed to me like compositions there were a little bit more difficult to come by. And, and I kind of related it back to, it, it's kind of like shooting in Great Smoky Mountains National Park versus Rocky Mountain National Park, where in the, in the Smokies, you kind of have to work a little bit harder for, for great compositions. But out West, it, it seems like they're a dime a dozen, like you have them everywhere you go. And they're a little easier to compose and see and line up. It, what's composition like when you're framing up an image in a place like Ireland where you don't necessarily have enormous craggy peaks and, you know, wildflowers in the foregrounds or, 
you know, cracks on the ground or anything like that. What, what's your mindset in going out and composing a place like that versus maybe an easier location where there are more comps to be had? Yeah, that's a, I think that's a really good question. You know, I could probably talk about that for, you know, hours, hours on end, you know, um, I just uh, finished up uh, an ebook on, on composition. So, you know, I put a lot of thought into that. It's, it's, it wasn't intended to be the end all be all final word, final say on composition, but just, I think some thoughts that, you know, I felt like were, were fundamental uh, to, uh, you know, uh, learning how to compose and, and fundamentals to, to going out there and making stronger compositions. But um, I don't know. I, I think, you know, my approach, you know, whether regardless of location is just to kind of kind of be open and, and be flexible and, and see what, you know, what conditions and what the landscape, you know, might offer. And I think that's, that's a, a sort of a, a healthy, <laughs> if you will, mind, mindset to have. I, I think it's important to research a place, to get to know a place. You know, I always like taking a look at images, you know, uh, from local photographers, you know, people who are living there and photographing very intensely in a region just to kind of get their take on it, just to kind of get a, a flavor, a feeling of, of what those of what those possibilities might be. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I like doing that. You know, but I'm, you know, I think some people avoid that because they don't want to have somebody else's images in their mind. And, you know, if you're like me and you don't really have the capacity to visualize anything in your limited brain, that's, that's never a problem. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, for me, I I like doing a little bit of research just to get a a feel for a place um, and, and have some, some ideas, you know, in mind of what I might want to shoot, but you know, on a, on a trip like we just did, I mean, you know, we we're just kind of, we didn't really have a game plan at all. We didn't, we didn't have, I think, you know, we didn't even have a list of places that we were going to go until I think we wrote a couple ideas down on a post-it note, you know, before we jumped in his truck and took off, you know? So I think part of it is just not having a whole lot of hard, lines in the sand with, with what you're wanting to do and just kind of letting go of a lot of expectations and just being flexible and, and open to, to what conditions in the landscape offer, you know, but I, I think that, that you're, you're right in a sense that, you know, I think there are certain landscapes that are, that are big and that are open. And then I think that there, there are a lot more sort of obvious uh, compositions and I think that there are landscapes that are not as big, not as open, and they're they're more intimate. You know, they're they're more of the smaller landscapes, or maybe more of the medium landscapes. And I think that's where, you know, I th- I just think you have to be a little bit more observant, and you kind of have to slow down a little bit more, and you kind of have to um, sort of you know look for those opportunities at a little bit slower pace. And then I, and then I think, you know, you can, you can make those, those scenes work. Um, but I don't know, man, you know, I think a lot of it is just, part of it is just your style. And I think what, what you like to photograph and, and what you, what you see, you know, um, I like photographing in the Smokies for that reason, but I guess it's a little bit unfair because I've been photographing there for so long. So I feel like I, 
you know, I kind of know what I'm looking for there. Um, whereas sometimes if I'm out in a, in a big open scene, okay, it's, it's, it's a big scene, it's a big mountain peak, but, but what do you do with it? You know what, you know what I mean? I think I, I, sometimes I struggle with the opposite, you know, it's like, well, okay, so there's a big mountain peak in front of me. Okay. So, so what, you know, it's not, there aren't that many different things you can do with it in terms of a composition sometimes because it is a big scene. I think, I think the big scenes are exciting. <laughs> you know, I like photographing, you know, wide angle lens a lot. Um, and, and those are, and those are dramatic, but I think that maybe they're a little bit less satisfying on the other hand, because you, you simply don't have to put as much thought into it. You show up to a typically a well-known place and the compositions are mostly captain obvious, you know, and then you take the shot under the best conditions, then you move on. And I think those are compelling images at times, but maybe, you know, from the photographer's point of view, maybe not as rewarding because you didn't necessarily have to think through and, and work out those compositions like you do, you know, and maybe some of those smaller or, or medium sized scenes. So uh, I don't know, man, I, I'm not a, I'm not a hard and fast either, or, you know, hard line in the sand kind of guy. I, I, I like photographing big scenes and, and the medium and small scenes too. I, I guess I like variety, you know, so I, I like getting out West. Definitely. I like photographing out there and I think there's a lifetime to photograph out there, but you know, I like my time in the Smokies and places like that too, where you can really work those small scenes and the streams and the cascades and the waterfalls and, and the wildflowers. And, you know, that stuff's very, very rewarding to photograph too. Yeah. And I've always struggled with the medium scenes, you know, mm -hmm. I, I feel like big scenes, like you said, it's kind of obvious, like mm -hmm. there it is, mm -hmm. just shoot it. Yeah. Um, and then the smaller scenes are a little bit easier too, just cause you have less to work with. You right. maybe are able to, uh, compose a less complex, but more, sophisticated shot, I, mm -hmm. I guess, for lack of better words, but mm -hmm. the medium shots for me are, are a lot more difficult because you're kind of in that in between and you have to do a little more with your knowledge of photography and be a little bit slower about setting up your shot and really thinking about what, what is this scene and how can I make it visually compelling? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, you know, if I were to look at my image database, I'd say, you know, a huge percentage would, would be those wide angle shots. Um, and then probably the next percentage would be those l longer lens shots, you know, those extraction shots, you know, maybe with that 70 to 200 lens. And I would say by far, you know, the, the, I guess the, the focal length, you know, if that's the direction to, to think about it, uh, that I probably, use the least is probably that that 2470 it's that kind of in between uh range that you're describing that I, I probably shoot shoot less of but always find myself wanting to shoot more of but yeah i think it's just i think part of it is the landscape that you're in and, and what it has to offer uh that's part of it and I think the other part of it is just slowing down. I think, you know, there's a lot of, of those cool sort of mid-range scenes that are there, but you tend to pass them up because you're looking for the big scene or you're looking for something very particular and you're 
you're in a hurry to get those and you, you pass by the more ordinary looking on the surface kind of scenes that probably would make a good photograph, uh, but you're just not taking the time to, to, you know, work out the composition. So I think, I think, uh, I think I'm in that same, same boat as well. Hey, real quick, guys, we're going to get back to the podcast in just a second, but I wanted to take a moment to tell you about visualwilderness.com. It is a great platform for anyone who wants to improve their landscape photography, who wants to get better, learn how to take photos in the field, and then post-process those images when you get home and back into your post-processing work. I just want to say you can purchase any of my courses on visualwilderness.com for 33% off for a limited time if you use the code David33. And again, that's visualwilderness.com. You can also find several other courses by tons of your favorite photographers on that website. Visualwilderness.com, you can also go and get the links to my courses and other people's courses, even a full year subscription to that website if you go to davidjohnstonart.com and visit the show notes for this episode. That will be davidjohnstonart.com forward slash dusty. How did you know you wanted to be a photographer? Like, was there one moment where you kind of saw it and fell in love with it? Or was it more like, you know, just something you did and, and then it ultimately grew in, into a passion? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I've, I've thought about that. Um, I think it, I think the answer is a little bit of both. You know, uh, after I got out of coaching and got got stuck in the office, you know, uh, on a on a full time basis, I was really missing my outdoor time. And you know, I had a friend that said, "Hey, man, you need to get out there and start hiking and backpacking." And and that kind of evolved naturally. Um, and I, you know, sort of started out in the film days, even though even though digital was was around, you know, at you're that old. point. But you know, I wanted to be kind of one of those old school film guys that talks about how hard it was to shoot and film, right? So. Um, so I think that it's just kind of a, it's sort of a natural evolution on the one hand and that I, I like doing things outside. I like being outside, you know, I like, um, I like the challenge of, of hiking and, and backpacking. I, I like the challenge of photography. And I, and I think that, that like most humans, you know, I, I like having a creative outlet. You know, I think, I think really everybody I think that's part of what makes us humans, right? Is that we, we have an opportunity to create something, to express ourselves. I mean, you know, you go back to cave paintings, however old the oldest ones of those are, you know, we, as soon as, as soon as we had capacity to create, we created as humans. And I think that's just part of our, I think that's just how we are created, you know, to, to express ourselves. And I, and I think we all kind of need, if you will, maybe needs a strong word, but I think I need, to have some outlet to express myself. And I think that with uh, digital photography in particular, it's, it's a really, really accessible medium. You know, in other words, it's, it's not crazy hard to do. Uh, you know, in other words, if I had to sit down and learn piano or guitar or 
or, you know, sculpting or something else, you know, I think that would take me a really, really long time to get to a level uh, where I would enjoy it. Right. And I think, I think uh, photography is a medium that, that is fairly accessible. I think you can learn the craft much faster than you could back in the film days. So I think that that, that learning curve is, is uh, not near as difficult as it, as it once was, you know, maybe we can argue that it's maybe hard to get really good at it and to get maybe to the artistic side of it. Maybe that's, maybe that takes a little bit longer, but I, I do think that, that it is a very accessible medium. And I remember starting out trying to learn photography just kind of on my own and with a buddy and and from those weird things that we call printed books right what are those yeah exactly and um just kind of being mystified by you know how are these strong compositions made how you know how are these images such high quality and you know thinking about you know all the craft aspects the composition aspects the the printing and how complicated that was and just kind of being overwhelmed by it all, but 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 yet kind of intrigued by it all at the same time. And I remember specifically uh, taking an image uh, there at Tremont uh, one morning, and and um, there was some just there was a little bit of mist hanging above the creek, as as you know how it can be there at Tremont, mm-hmm. and. Um, there was just some beams of light kind of, kind of coming through the the canopy and they were actually spotlighting uh, the cascade there uh, as it was just kind of going across the Creek. And it was just a really, really sort of special scene. There was just some soft light in the background. And I remember thinking, man, that's just amazing light. And I think that the more you photograph, the more you really appreciate the subtleties of light. And again, this was back in the film days, So I don't know, 2003 or four, maybe. And so I made an image having, having no idea whether or not it was going to turn out. <laughs> yeah. Multiple right. weeks, multiple weeks later, right. The, the <laughs> slides come back. So you, then you scan the slide in, you pull it up on the computer and, um, I really, really liked what I saw there and, uh, and made a print, you know, I had, a I think maybe I can't remember, um, Epson printer, uh, maybe it was the, I can't remember. Thir- I don't know if I had a 3,800 at the time or not, but, but anyway, uh, made a print probably like a 12 by 18 print. And, um, I don't know that, that whole, I think process of having a really cool experience, see something really visually interesting with a lot of subtlety to it, Taking an uh, taking an image on a piece of film, which is probably Fuji Velvia, so a grand total of four stops of dynamic range, I would say. Mm-hmm. Scanning it in, right, and and then processing the image just a little bit. And, you know, back then I was a uh, I was afraid to even crop an image because I thought that that was cheating. And um, and and taking it to the final print and you know that was a that was a print i had on my wall for a number of years and i think i think in that moment in that one you know image that one scene that one print i i didn't feel like i had it figured out but i i think that was that was the one image the one scene the one print that kind of had me hooked and i thought you know what this is it this is really what i want to do this is this is really cool 
And I, I don't know whether that was so much of a conscious thought or subconscious thought, but I, I look at that one image and I think about that as, as the one sort of moment, if you will, where, you know, I really got into photography after that. You know, you were, you were talking about the film and printing process of, of mm-hmm. finalizing an image fast forward to today and where we are with photography right now is printing your own photos and working with all of that still part of the process. Yeah. You know, ab- absolutely. I just, uh, my, my 38, my trusty <laughs> Epson 3800, I don't know how many years I had it, but I don't know, not, maybe not quite 10 years, something less than that, but maybe close to 10 years. Um, which, uh, was a really good printer and, uh, it finally bit the dust and replaced it with the Epson uh, P800 and, uh, didn't, didn't really have a whole lot of expectations about what the quality difference might be, but, but the quality is, is, is even better. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's just remarkable to me. Um, I don't know. There's just there's something that's really hard to put your finger on about seeing that tangible uh, outcome of of an experience, of a thought, of a feeling. You know, captured in the form of a photograph and then ultimately expressed in a print, and seeing that print roll out so that so that you're you're in charge of that um, creative decision making process from from start to finish. Hmm. And I think there's something really really rewarding about that. It's just kind of hard to, to put your finger on. And, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of, uh, photography books, you know, books, you know, collections of images, if you will. And I've been able to, um, get a couple of books this past year. Um, one from, uh, Bruce Percy, uh, that I like a lot. Uh, one from uh, Rafael Rojas, and then just from Ireland, we we stopped in to a guy that I met via Instagram, a really really good photographer, a guy by the name of Norm McCloskey, hmm. and uh, he had a recent uh, photography book, you know, in his gallery. I was able to pick up a copy of that. So I, I love those sort of, I don't know, uh, photography books that might be in that you know sixty seventy image range. Um, collection of images, you know, big bodies of work over a long period of time and sort of that high quality photo book. And, um, I don't know, that's something, you know, I've got, I've got two or three ideas, you know, for, for book projects in mind. And, uh, you know, hopefully I'll have some more time and space to, to spend on photography in 2020. So, um, you know, a book project, I, I think for me is, you know, I got, I got two or three of those that I'd like to see happen down the road. So, uh, that's something that's really important to me is to is to see that work in print, whether it's just you know a collection of small prints in a folio, whether it's twelve or fifteen prints in a folio, which is very inexpensive to produce. You know, you can produce something like that for probably ten bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, photo book is is an expensive endeavor. You know, because you're either faced with a larger print run and you have to invest a lot of dough on the front end, or a small print run and then your per unit cost is, is astronomical. But, um, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm interested in kind of researching that and learning more about, you know, the book printing process and seeing if there's a, you know, more economical way to make that happen. But I don't know, something special about seeing you, uh, your work in print, I think. Now I would describe your photography style as simplistically complicated. It's, it's kind of within this paradox range of photography to where, 
the more you look at it, the more you see and the more complex the compositions become. How, how would you describe your style in photography? Wow. You know, um, yeah, that's, that's a great question. I, and I think, I think there's a compliment in there. So thanks. It, it is, it is a compliment. Take it as that. Yeah. It's, e- it's either that, or I'm, I'm really confused, David. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I, I think that that would be, you know, what I would, what I would want. Right. I, I you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to necessarily be complicated, but I, I think that, that I think that I'm, I'm trying to compose something that, that captures an experience, a thought, a feeling, an emotion, a, a, a place in my reaction to it. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to use the, the elements of two dimensional design that are there to try to express a thought or, or a feeling that, that is abstract, you know, and I think that if, if photography, you know, it is an art, then it, there has to be some form of sort of personal expression embedded in it, or else it's just, you know, a box in front of a cool scene and you're, and you're, and you're pushing the button. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to bake in some, some personal expression to it. Uh, to sort of capture this emotional reaction that I'm having, you know, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about those, those elements of 2d design. I'm, I'm thinking about compositional strategies, you know, depending upon how much time you have, a lot of times the light's fleeting and you're not, you're not thinking, you're just kind of reacting and kind of operating off of intuition. And certainly that's the case a lot of time. Uh, but yeah, I think that, that, you know, to your point, I think that the images that I like, right, uh, are, they are simple, but, but strong, you know, compositions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I tend to gravitate towards that style and, and other photographers. So I'm, I'm sure that that's, you know, influence my, my own style. I'm sure some of that just sort of seeps in. I'm, I'm certainly not a minimalist, you know, somebody like, uh, like uh, Bruce Percy or Michael Kenna, you know, that really photograph in a minimalist kind of way. I think I'm, I'm not, I'm not there, but um, certainly I I like uh, using negative space. I like simpler, um, more kind of graphic kind of dynamic images. So uh, that's, that's kind of what I'm going for. Yeah, I see the more I look at your images is, is like the more I find and the more I see within that composition is mm-hmm. kind of what I'm saying about complexity. Yeah. Yeah, I think that yeah, there's a there's a quote that that sort of sums that up. I, it's it's not I, I I don't know the details of it, so I'm not going to even try to to quote it, but it's I think it might be an Einstein quote, something about you know, um, it's, it's sort of easy to make something simple, complex, but not so easy to make something complex, simple, you know, something Mm -hmm. to that effect. And I think, I think that's a a general (laughs) challenge, you know, in landscape photography, it's, it's an art of subtraction, right? It's, you know, you're surrounded in, in three dimensions in all directions by, by 
elements, if you will, that you could photograph. So your your challenge is to um, distill it down and figure out what you're going to point that camera at and try to use those elements of, of 2D design. And I think it's cool that either, you know, intuitively or with intentionality, you know, you can bake in layers of those elements in an image and make it abstract enough for a viewer to kind of, you know, mentally, you know, wander through that image and, and explore it and have different reactions to it. So it's, it's cool, you know, when you, when you can make something that is both maybe simple and relatively graphic, but, but then it's got layers of elements to it, you know, that if a person is going to spend some time with it, you know, beyond the one or two seconds on, on, you know, the web, that it's something that they could enjoy, you know, either on a wall or as a collection of prints or in a photographic book that's, that's got some depth to it. So if, if any of my images achieve that, then I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. And, and one of the other big parts of photography is like education, helping people, communication on, on kind of what you just did of, of making the 3D, 2D in a, in a good way. When somebody signs up for a workshop with you, because you do a lot of workshops and mm -hmm. take people out into the field and, and, and help them and show them how you would construct an image or, or how to improve their own photography, when people sign up for that with you, what can they expect? Well, you know, yeah, that's a great question. Well, that's another probably <laughs> three hour discussion in and of itself. But, you know, a lot of strong feelings one way or the other about, about workshops. But, you know, I, um, I've always enjoyed teaching and coaching. I, I don't know. I think it's just in my DNA. It's, you know, uh, I was coaching sports when I was 16, you know, coaching younger kids or whatever. And I've, I've always enjoyed teaching and coaching and I've always enjoyed helping people grow and develop. That's been my, my 30 year now <laughs> career in, in university life. So it's just, just part of how I'm wired up and uh, I just enjoy doing it. It's, it's really rewarding. So I think that, that if, that if people are interested in a workshop, you know, with, with me or it's a workshop that I'm a part of, you know, I think that, that, that there's a certain level of, of enthusiasm and interest that I, that I bring to photography and that I, and that I bring to the teaching and learning of, of photography. And I, and, uh, so I, I think that that's important. You know, you have, you have long days out there, as you know, Mm -hmm. uh, difficult conditions, sometimes disappointing conditions. And I think it's, you, you, you need some, some energy and enthusiasm. You know, a lot of times conditions might not be lining up, but it, it takes that extra level of patience, that extra level of persistence, a little bit of energy and enthusiasm to, you know, um, keep going, see what's around the corner or to maybe wait, you know, you've been out all day and you're worn out and maybe the sunset is or isn't going to happen. But if you've got that little extra bit of energy and enthusiasm, sometimes that makes a big, big difference. But, you know, in terms of, in terms of expectations, you know, um, you know, I want people to have a good time. I mean, you know, <laughs> if you're not having a good time out there photographing the landscape, then, oh man, you know, what's the point? You know, you, you should be having a good time. That's, that's really what it's about. And I think that, that there should be some, some fun in having a shared adventure, right? You're, you're, 
with a small group of people, you're, you're in, you know, wilderness or national parks or some really cool areas. And I, and I think it's, there's an aspect of having a, a shared adventure that, that really is just a lot of fun. And I think, you know, we, you know, we tend to, you know, have some pretty good handouts on the front end of, of a workshop. I've just reworked all of those handouts. So I don't know, it's probably 12 or 15 handouts on, on a lot of different topics, you know, that might be craft, that might be composition, um, so that people can kind of, you know, have a lot of those fundamental ingredients, you know, um, and, and think through those, talk through those before the workshop. You know, if, it, if it's a new client, we ask them, hey, where are you at in your photography? What do you want to learn? What are your inspirations? You know, where are you at on gear? And try to help them, you know, uh, as much as we can before the workshop, you know, kind of get prepared. So I think preparation is key. And uh, basically just get out into the field, work on some things that I think are super important and craft, you know, like focus stacking, exposure blending, those kinds of things. And, and once we get people sort of through a lot of the craft, then it's just time spent seeing the landscape and learning how to compose, learning how to express yourself, working on that, spending some time in the dark room, uh, I think, which is super important and learning how to process those images. And then after the workshop, you know, then it, then it's continues on. It's, you know, it's, it's image review, you know, it's uh, maybe working on processing things that we can do online. You know, I think that the priority on a workshop is is to photograph. You know, we can we can do image review, we can do dark room, we can talk about gear, we can talk about craft. You can do a lot of those things. You know, from the comfort of your laptop at home. But the one thing you can't do at home is photograph really cool, you know, places. So, you know, I think in in teaching workshops, the priority for me has always been, hey, let's let's photograph intensely. You know, because I think that's how you get better. And that's why you go to really cool places is to be in those places, to spend a lot of time outside and, and to photograph. And I think that, you know, um, that to me is an important part of a workshop is, is spending some quality time, you know, in the field. So you, you should have an opportunity to, to have fun, uh, to learn and to have a shared adventure, you know, with some like minded people. So I think I think those are what I would want to create, you know, in, in a workshop for, for clients. Before we wrap things up here, you're a guy who's, who's full of stories. Um, yeah. I feel like every single time we meet up and have <laughs> lunch or breakfast or something, you have some sort of wild story. So I want you to take a second right now, pick something out of your story bag and, and we can kind of sit back and have a fireside uh, story time with Uncle Dusty. <laughs> yeah, so boy, uh, I've had I've had some some really cool trips this year. Been been really fortunate, you know. We were down in uh, New Zealand, uh, you know, for a couple of trips, uh, a couple of uh, weeks down there rather, and uh, it was the first time down there, and that was that was uh, just a fantastic time. And then and then of course the recent trip just got back, you know, a couple of weeks ago from from. Uh, Ireland. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, from the Ireland trip, I'd have to pull out, uh, the story from the, from the Giants Causeway. Uh, the Giants Causeway is, uh, in, in Northern Ireland along, along the coast there. And it's this really cool collection of, uh, columnar basalt rock. 
Um, and it's just a really, really unique. And I, you know, I, and again, I, I'd seen some photographs from the area and just and, and knew it was cool, but didn't didn't do a lot of extensive research about it. But just kind of felt like it'd be a place that would be that would be fun to photograph. And so we we went up there, um, and uh, photographed sort of uh, I don't know. It was at the end of the day, uh, sort of post sunset a little bit with the idea of photographing there sort of post sunset and then, and then maybe around sunrise the next day and just kind of see what conditions would offer. And so we went up there, you know, post sunset, hardly anybody else there, you know, I, I guess the, the place had closed down, but there's still open access to it. So it was just fantastic. You know, it's great clouds, great light doing some long exposure with this really cool, you know, columnar basalt rock and, and, uh, just had a really good shooting session and, um, you know, went back, uh, and, uh, the next morning at, uh, I guess around sunrise and wow, you know, conditions changed pretty dramatically. The wind was blowing. Uh, I don't know, man, it, 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 I'll put it this way. I don't know how hard it was blowing. I just know that I was unable to stand up in it. <laughs> so, uh, I would guess if I had to guess, I would say at least 60 miles an hour could, mm. could have been more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, which is not bad. You know, if you're in, uh, maybe a sand dune area. So if the wind blows you over, okay, you're falling into some nice soft sand, not the end of the world. But if you're on these wet sort of slick rocks, with these massive waves washing over the edges of these slick wet rocks uh, on kind of both sides and uh, not an area where I think you would want to fall into the ocean. Falling is you frowned know. upon there. Yeah, yeah, it's frowned upon, you know. So there's these little boxes, you know, that have these uh, life preservers on them. So, you know, starting to get a little, starting to get a little nervous, but yeah, there were a couple times. I mean, you can kind of see the the wind gusts coming, you know, across the top of the water. And basically, your only option at that point is just to kind of crouch down, um, just get on a knee, and just hopefully it doesn't just blow you off of the rock, you know, mm-hmm. just, just kind of crazy. Uh, and then in the midst of that, attempt to, to make a photograph or two. So um, super windy day. And, um, you know, uh, made some good photographs in the morning, but I think really had some better luck, you know, the night before. And so at a certain point, you know, the light was getting a little bit harsh or whatever. <laughs> and I was getting a little tired of uh, photographing out there and that kind of craziness. So I thought, okay, so I'm going to pack the gear and, uh, and head on in while my body and camera gear are intact. And um, I'm easing back in. I'm probably like, I don't know, 10, maybe 15 yards from kind of getting back on the pathway out there. And I, and I had, I guess my, my camera over my left shoulder. And I think I had my camera backpack on my bag and, and again, just so close, but yet so far And this massive gust came uh, right there and just completely blew me over and, uh, landed on my backpack and, uh, camera just kind of bounced off of the rock some, hmm. somehow, but, but didn't manage to, to do any damage. 
And I just thought, wow, man, you know, <laughs> got, got super lucky with that one because I, I mean, it just, I mean, it just flat, just flattened me out on that rock and uh, somehow managed to get out of there shortly thereafter with, uh, with body and gear intact. I was a little amazed because I was thinking, you know, man, I surely I busted a lens or something out of that, but uh, nope. Nope, kind of got lucky there. So I don't know. There's something about something about the places I tend to find myself and high winds. I <laughs> don't know why that is. Whether it's Death Valley, Iceland, Ireland, pick a place. It seems to be super, super windy wherever I go. I don't know what that means. What's What's next on the horizon for you? Yeah, next on the horizon, uh, we got uh, two fall workshops. Uh, so, uh, one is in Canada, which is based in Banff. So that is, um, actually just a hair over a month away and then, uh, back up to Utah, uh, be in Bryce and then also, uh, page Arizona for, for that trip. Um, I've got my, uh, previously mentioned, uh, ebook on composition that I'll be kind of doing some promotional work on the next maybe three or four weeks. And then uh, excited about a couple of workshops in the first of the year, uh, going to Iceland uh, and Norway in February. So we'll be a wee bit brisk uh, in February in those places. And and as I just mentioned, I suspect it it will be a little windy up there too, as as is normally the case. So uh, so excited for that. And um, yeah, excited to maybe have some more space for photography in 2020. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing experiences, knowledge, viewpoints, stories, everything you shared is designed to make us better and, and kind of get us thinking a little bit differently about photography, which is always a good thing. So thank you so much. Appreciate you having me on as always, David.